from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Oh, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller & Condon. This is for our next guest. John Bowen Camp, a huge Dodger fan, also writes for HawkeyeNation.com. We'll get to the Hawkeyes uh, in a moment, but let's give him his due. Everything's fine, I think, is his edict throughout the season when the team happens mm-hmm. to have something not go their way, which hasn't happened very often. John, no, that's true. Good to talk to you. How are you? Good morning. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, should Kevin Cash get a ring? Well, well, I mean, I mean, I'd get, I'd get a picture out of there at as soon as possible, knowing what was coming. Mm. I mean, I would do that to just help the kid out, I guess. But um, I was shocked. But I think that's ba- that's what baseball. I know. Come. And I mean, I, there has been in all of this series, and I watched every game. And you're sitting there, and you're thinking, why, 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 why are you doing this? And then a lot of times it works, and sometimes it doesn't, and it's just. I, I mean, like I said, I, I think with the 28-man roster for the playoffs, I think a lot of managers overthought things because they knew they had, you know, a lot of op- options in the bullpen. And I, I don't know what he saw that that we didn't see, but I'll take it. Whatever, you know. So yeah, well, when the entire dugout of Dodgers was ecstatic that mm-hmm. they were they're pull, he's pulling his his starter. Uh, it's probably not the right thing. I get the analy- Well, I don't get the analytics because I'm old uh, and I never will rely on them as opposed to eyeball tests. But uh, the eyeball test is the thing of the past, and he went with the analytics instead of going with his gut. And here we are. Go ahead, Trent. Sorry. Well, well, I mean, think about think about during this this whole series. I mean, the the the, the games that Walker Bueller pitched, and he was gone after six. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, so, but you know, because the more you dig around the bullpen, the more you end up finding somebody who doesn't do a job. And, um, you know, and, that, and that's what, and then you brought in one of your relievers who really wasn't very good. Not in the playoffs. And so it's like, um, you know, I mean, that, that's one of those things I think when he did it, it's, I, I, I kept trying to put myself in his place and what that would have been like. And, you know, when you go out and you make that decision, and, boy, you're confident. I mean, he went out there, there was no messing around, and then all of a sudden you see it blow up. And, I mean, I can't imagine what I would have been thinking at that point. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, what did I do? And, you know, he said after the game, you know, I, I probably deserve criticism. So, um, you know, it is it is what it is, and it's what baseball has become. So um, I keep thinking back to the 88 World Series in that game five when, when Hershiser was was you know on the role that he'd had mm-hmm. pitching in the eighth inning, and you see Lasorda in the dugout, and he looks at the pitching coach and he says, "Let him go." Yeah, can you imagine if Tom Kelly was an analytics guy and pulled Jack Morris? I mean, come on, yeah. right? Yeah, Jack <laughs> Morris would have punched him. He would have, right? I mean, I, I mean, you think about a lot of those old time pitchers, and, and you, you let them you let him stay in. And I mean, I think you let a guy like that stay in until he gets into trouble. Right. And I know it's a one nothing game, but just one single off the bat of the ninth hitter doesn't necessarily mean trouble's coming. 
you Didn't know. Smoltz go nine in that uh, Jack Morris game? He went nine yeah. and Morris went to right? Yeah. Jesus, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, different so. world, yeah. And we're talking about yeah, a different is. era. I got a uh, a personal question for you, John. So you're a guy yep. in your fifties. You celebrate your championship. I haven't seen it since 1988. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I was young when I saw the Bears. I was in kindergarten when I saw right. the Twins the last time. I was 11. So it's been a long time. As an adult, <laughs> what it feels like when your team wins a championship, and and how do you celebrate? And especially during a pandemic, not like you can go to the bar and start pouring beer on people's head or anything crazy like that. How do you celebrate when you haven't seen it for so long and finally breaking down that wall? Oh, I mean, it, it was, I mean, I didn't have anybody to celebrate with. So, I mean, I, I, you just sat there and you just watched, you mm-hmm. know, the whole thing unfold. And I mean, I'll admit it, I got emotional. I mean, that's yeah. the first time in 32 years. I think back to 2017, what that was like when they lost. Yeah. And I mean, people, people who are fans understand it, that are true fans that really get into it. They understand it, and, and they understand what it's like. I mean, I have a lot of friends of mine who aren't big baseball fans who aren't, and they're like, why are you like, well, you know, this is my passion. This is my team, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, it was it was a lot of relief the other night, I think. You know, and I mean, I as I always say, they'll be fine. And I was right <laughs> this time around. So. Yes, you were. Well, yeah, let's get so. to the Hawks, and I'm anxious sure. to think if you uh, believe that they'll be fine after what we saw against uh, Purdue. Uh, West Lafayette, kind of a really a weird game, right? But here comes Northwestern, yeah. and it's uh, it's a great matchup usually, even if Northwestern is outmanned, although there's been some blowouts. But uh, it's it looks as though Fitz has a quarterback in Peyton Ramsey, who was uh, certainly a different look for Northwestern's offense uh, this past week against, granted, a bad Maryland team. I think this is a hell of a football game, John, and I don't know about you, I can make a case it could go either way. Oh, I could. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, it's, you know, Northwestern in the past has always given them, pardon the pun, always, always given them fits. And, you know, the last couple of years, Northwestern's been kind of down, you know, in terms of manpower and, and Iowa's been able to. But I mean, you think back to the, you know, the game last year, it was just kind of like, get it, get through it and go home, you know. And this isn't going to be one of those kind of games because for Iowa, it's a big deal. I mean, after that game last Saturday, you're going to have to make a big jump, but you're not just going to have to make a big jump. You're going to have to win. Otherwise, you're staring at 0-2, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then what happens? You know, I mean, and you've still got some really good teams coming up on the schedule. So, I mean, it's funny to say this, you know, most of the time second games of the season aren't must-wins, but this one I think is a must-win for them. And, I mean, it, it part of it is – because of the way the schedule is condensed and it's nine games in nine weeks, you know, essentially eight games in eight weeks to get to that, you know, that final week. But I mean, it's, um, it's a sprint and you don't have time to mess around. There is the clock is ticking. You know, you can get away with those kind of sloppy games in September. You can't get away with them when your first game is big 10 play and, you know, in, in the way the schedule is. So they've got to be better in this game. There's no doubt about it. Patrick Ramsey uh, comes in from Indiana. He looked very good. Looked like a, well, a Northwestern quarterback normally does, and from C.J. Bechet to Persa and on and on and on, we could play that game for Trevor a long time. Simeon. Yes, just guys that are out there getting the ball out quick, making plays against Iowa. And Iowa, Purdue ran the football against him. This is not a Purdue team that is known right. for running the football. Controlled the line there, and, and that's got to be a big concern. Mm-hmm. Petrus yeah. is going to be okay. I think they're going to be fine offensively. The defense, though, a lot more question marks than I anticipated at this point, John. Oh, I yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you got to get you've got to get a pass rush, 
and you've got to be able to stop the run. And they didn't really do a lot of that the other day. And and that that you've got to do. You've got to control that line. I mean, Iowa teams, the good Iowa teams have always controlled the line of scrimmage, you know, whether it's on the offensive side of the ball or defensive. They, they didn't really do that defensively the other day. And I think that becomes a big problem as you go down the road. You're going to see better running backs coming up. So if there's things, again, the improvement from week one to week two, that's got to be the main focus is how much better is that line going to be, that defensive line going to be this week in terms of – because you're going to have to get some heat on this quarterback. There's no doubt about it. You can't just let him, you know, sit there and get the ball out. So they're going to have to be really creative on on stopping that, but they're also just going to have to slow down the running game. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and, and Anderson and Bowser both had big games against, again, not a good Maryland team, but they both looked good, and Anderson did so in relatively few carries, bust his 100-yard uh, threshold. Peyton Ramsey, if, if they do get some pressure on him and a play breaks down, he's a guy that's got the ability to run around and make plays. I think this is maybe as big of a, uh, a matchup in this football game, John. It's as an Trent mentioned it. Iowa did not do, did not look good trying to stop the run against Purdue. It, can they stop the run against Northwestern? If they can't, it might be a long afternoon. Yeah, I mean that, it, it, and it's going to be a long afternoon. It will be if you if you're not running the ball, if you're not controlling the offense. And in a lot of ways, Iowa didn't do that the other day. I mean, they 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 they, they you know if if. Your defense is struggling. You've got to take care of the ball on offense. I mean, they turned the ball over twice. Think about how many penalties they had. And, you know, the false start penalties and all that. Those are things that can get cleaned up. And if you can do that and you can control the ball, then it kind of eases the pressure on your defense. But if you're getting a lot of three and outs early, like Iowa was doing the other day, that's going to be a big problem on Saturday because you can't let that defense be out on the field for a long time, I don't think. Away from the Hawkeyes for a moment, the big news of yesterday, Wisconsin-Nebraska will be uh, considered a no contest. We haven't got into this a whole lot today, but John, just overall your feeling here, I think I have a little bit of a problem with this. I, I get it. They're, if Wisconsin wasn't without their top three quarterbacks, will we be going down this route? I don't want to sound like no. a Nebraska shell, but boy, <laughs> but something, sound like- something stinks here. It really does in my mind. I, you know, I, in fact, I, I texted that to somebody yesterday. I'm like, if those numbers were the same, but Wisconsin's starting quarterback is healthy, mm-hmm. are they playing on Saturday? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, if the Big Ten would have said, you're not playing, I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a team to say, you know what, we're, we're just not going to play. Um, I, you know, I mean, that's that I think, I mean, they, I think they saw the numbers and I think they saw, okay, we could not play because of the numbers. And I don't want to sound like a Nebraska conspiracy theorist either, but I, somewhere along the line, somebody might, I mean, it, it raised a lot of questions yeah. yesterday for me. And, and I mean, it wasn't quite as cut and dried as, as what I, you know, like I said, you just, you started putting, you started thinking, well, what if, you know, Okay, what if these numbers are the same and you've got the same number of guys healthy, but your starting quarterback is healthy and his backup's healthy, and you, you've got you know the bulk of your 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 really good players? Are you still playing or not? And I, you know, like I said, my 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 antenna got raised a little bit yesterday on that, but um, it is what it is, and it's what this COVID season is going to be, and um, 
You know, it's. I think it's a lesson to everybody in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You better start tightening your shit. You know what? We saw it in Major League Baseball, John. Remember yeah. when it first resumed? We mm-hmm. saw the Cardinals. We saw the Marlins. But then after that, after that lesson seemed to resonate throughout Major League Baseball, uh, things were for the moment, well, until Tuesday night, uh, everything was going along smoothly. So I, I think that's a, a, a valid point. Uh, did you, I, you know, one of, one of the things that floored me, I was, I was reading today that I think it was the New York Giants are having COVID issues. And the Chargers about, now. Yeah. And they were talking about, and they were talking about that they just now were doing their meetings virtually. And, and you're, and you're sitting there in the back of your mind and you know what's going on in these colleges. And you're like, why would you have all your quarterbacks in a room together every day when you could do this online? Yeah, you know, anybody with an understanding of Zoom knows you can do all that stuff online. Yeah. It's like, why are you putting yourself in that situation? I don't get it. Did you see Mertz on Friday night for Wisconsin? Yeah. What'd you I mean, think? He was really good. Yeah, that's what I know? thought too. <laughs> and I mean, and, and I mean, and that's why my first thought on 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 Friday night was nobody's winning the West with it was that team, against that team because I thought that Wisconsin team looked really good. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, it'll, like I said, it'll be curious to see down the road what sort of effect this weekend has on on the rest of the season in in the West Division. Uh, what kind What kind of improvement do you think we'll see from Petrus? Again, I I didn't think he played poorly at all. Did he miss a couple of throws? Yeah, but you got to remember, it was his first start for crying out loud. Uh, I I thought uh, I I think Iowa has something in him. I do. I saw nothing that would lead me to believe that this kid was really overhyped. And boy, they're in deep water because they don't have a quarterback. Uh, what do you expect to see this week? The tools are there. I mean, yep. you can see the tools are there. So now he's got a game on film, an actual an actual full game for him, where he can go back and look and say, I should have done X instead of Y. You know, and and I should have thrown to this guy instead of this guy. You know, think about think about the last play of the game. For Iowa on offense, and triple coverage, triple coverage, yeah. and there's somebody wide open on the other side. Now he's got tape to see. Okay, I didn't see this. Now I need to see this. So really, I mean, I expect him to get better. I mean, we all knew there'd be bumps, you know, with 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 a player like with a new quarterback, and this is going to happen. You can see the pieces are there. It's just now of putting it together, putting together the metal part of the game, and seeing the whole field. And I think he'll do that now as you get further down the line, the more the more and more experience you get. Jump over to a little basketball before we wrap up. I saw Fran yesterday with uh, our friend Rob Doster's podcast network, Tim Miles, the former Nebraska coach, a part of it, and uh, some funny stories there. Him and Bo Ryan, Fran and Bo Ryan getting into it in his first ever game against the <laughs> old Badger coach and a lot more. But uh, this basketball season... Looked like Orlando was going to be a huge hub for activity in the non-conference. That's now off the table. Are are we trending closer and closer to everybody just playing conference games? How realistic do you to see that happening here during the early portions of the season? I think it's. I think I think there's a reason why we haven't seen the Big Ten schedule yet. I think there's yeah. they're going to look at. Mm. You know, I know there was some talk of, of going from twenty games to twenty two, and if that would be the case, then for Iowa, that's you know, then you play Iowa, Iowa State. You play Iowa State. The the game in Sioux Falls against the Zags, and then you play your three team MTE, and that's it. And I think that's probably what you're getting toward at this point. I think it. I think it's going to be 22 Big Ten games, and and then the other five to get to 27. And because um, I mean, and, and maybe there may not be an ACC Big Ten challenge. I know they keep saying there's going to be. But maybe there isn't. You know, or maybe, you know, I mean, there isn't going to be a gap game. So you're starting to see, I think, you're starting to see them edging more and more towards the 
pretty much all of their games, if not all of them being conference games. John Bowenkamp, John, congratulations to your Dodgers. Thanks for what you do for us. We'll read you at Thanks. Hawkeye Nation and uh, other places. Uh, we appreciate it, John. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, good to talk to you. John Bowenkamp on Iowa. A little MLB sprinkled in. A little bit of that. A little hoops. little little uh, Wisconsin-Nebraska. You sounded surprised that that I was, you know, my thoughts on Nebraska. Right. I, yeah, because you seldom do you line up with Nebraska. But this stinks. I. That's a good way of putting it. If this Graham isn't, Mertz wouldn't have been... This isn't a Big Ten mandate. They did not hit the threshold where it's an automatic shutdown from the Big Ten. This is Wisconsin. So they weren't... you telling me they weren't in the red they zone? They were not in both 12? reds, which is the automatic... This was a decision that came from Wisconsin. See, I thought they they broke through the 5%. They did not. They have to hit five, They have to hit the red on both factors. It was only one of them. Now, that is news to me. I didn't... That's where I was mistaken. Then. This stinks. So you have to be... Wisconsin's ducking. They're not, they don't want to play a game. And it didn't matter if it was Nebraska. It didn't matter if it no. was Purdue. It didn't matter it who they're young, playing this week. Know. They're they don't want to play game. without Graham Mertz or their backup. Yes. With Jack Cohen already injured, who was going to be the They didn't starter. want to play with their fourth-teamer. Yeah. And possibly lose a game. That's uh-huh. what this is. And because they didn't hit the metrics of the Big Ten, shouldn't this be a forfeit? Yeah. See, again, I... This is a bad look. Yeah. If somebody... Let's fast forward to the last game of the year. Wisconsin's undefeated, whatever that record is at the time. Mm-hmm. And they... Well, they play Iowa in the last game of the year. That's where I'm going. And if they don't play that game, they're in the Big Ten Championship. If they do play that game and lose, they're not in the Big Ten Championship. What is now stopping Wisconsin from not playing that game? Sorry, we're, we're seeing a spike. Just forfeiting because you'll have played your six no games? Contesting. Or no contesting because you're going to play your six games and therefore we don't really need to play they Iowa don't. because we're unbeaten. We're unbeaten. We're in there. And if we lose... The head-to-heads don't matter because we had to. There was a no contest. It was a no contest. It's not a forfeit. I think you're setting up a very dangerous situation here, allowing this to happen. And I know this was this was laid out beforehand mm-hmm. that if a school decides on their own that it is not a forfeit, it is a no contest. Chicanery, burying company, <laughs> bending the rules. I don't think they would. Uh, interesting, Trent. I never, again, I thought it was 5% and you have to, no you have to hit both again. those metrics. But and they I was did not, not away. Yeah. It was both metrics. I thought it was just the one. That's and when the automatic Big Ten shutdown comes from. This was uh-huh, Wisconsin. Decision. We're going to go with the no, no contest. I it's a bad look. Lean to your those side of this argument. Badgers. Um, and now, then, what else did we see that came out? Apparently, the myocarditis test, the heart test, mm-hmm. has been uh, the, the folks that have been testing positive. They show no signs of this. Yes, incredibly rare for right. that to happen and for a, athletes. And originally, that was a major, major mm-hmm. fear, and maybe as much as anything behind the original postponement of Big Ten football. And we learned that a big part of that was one doctor. That read the report wrong. Uh-huh. That led down the path of shutting down after that first or second schedule, if you will, came out in early August. Now, we we're reading this story and it doesn't look good. Well, the doctor read it wrong. <laughs> and you had this great schedule with 10 games with four built-in bye weeks where you can actually have the flexibility to have things like this crop up and get away with it. And now here we are. Kevin Warren, you're lying in this bed. Wisconsin? Well, Kevin Warren's listening to a lot of people too, though. He is. I understand. But this is where we the are. Only re- the only way Kevin Warren leaves or is told to leave is 
you know, obviously it's not going to be the schools. It's going to be the school presidents mm-hmm. that will make that determination. We've got to take a time out. Before that, it's time for another $1,000 handoff. I like your conspiracy theory. I'm leaning your side dun, on this dun, one. Dun. Text the keyword HOPE to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win 1000 bucks. HOPE to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, ready for some Big 12 conversation? That's next with Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0106.3 FM. Hi, I'm Emery Songer. And I'm Heather Burnside. The Iowa State Cyclones are looking to get back to their winning ways as they take on winless Kansas and will break it all down on Jethro's Barbecue Cyclone Sound Off. 4 p.m. this Saturday on 1460 and 106.3 FM. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Past 11.30, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. If the uh, phones during the commercial break are any indicator, a lot of people lining up on your side of this conspiracy theory, Mr. No. Condon. The Badgers, they're they are playing around with the rules. I, I don't like it. I also don't like Wisconsin as much as I rip on Nebraska. I also don't like Wisconsin. So if you had to, which one do you like better? That's a good question. Oh. Matt posts momentarily. Matt, we'll get right to you. Mm. Wisconsin, because uh, my aunt and uncle live in Madison. My cousins grew up in Madison. So that'd be the one. And I went to so many Iowa-Wisconsin games growing up. And back then, I would always club them. That was great. And then the turn. But Nebraska's more annoying than Wisconsin. I see us, uh, Wisconsin and Iowa fans, very similar. Okay. Nebraska's, they're just a different breed. And maybe that's where it's all they've got, Trent. That's true. It's all they've got. Uh, Never won an NCAA tournament basketball game. No, I know. But uh, look, at I lived in Lincoln in 1994 during the football season. And it's something I'm so glad I experienced Mm -hmm. it, right? I really am. It was just, it's just different uh, over there. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports, they were part of the Big 8 12 back, 8, right? Big 8. And the Big 12. Yeah, but I'm trying to figure where this was a big, when did the Big 8 become the Big 12? 90 what? 93? Well, uh, somewhere around there. Anyways. Well, uh, they'd like to be back there, I think, right now. You know what? After the decision today, when they thought they had a game against Chattanooga lined Uh up, and if Wisconsin did pull the shenanigans that you believe, and a lot of people are starting to believe they did, why couldn't they play? The Big Ten said no. But we're going to talk Big 12, and Matt Postens is here to do just that with us, and we're grateful. Hello, Matt Postens. How are you? I'm good, guys, and I believe the first Big 12 season was 1996. That's what I thought back in my mind. Wow. Uh, so, anyways, uh, let's uh, get to the here and now, and it's the Big 12. And uh, before we look at the schedule this week, because I'm anxious to pick your brain on Texas-Oklahoma State, but I want to go back to Oklahoma State last week in Iowa State, which was a huge football game, uh, certainly in the state of Iowa, or in a good percentage of the state of Iowa. Uh, just your thoughts from what did you learn more? Did you learn more about the Cowboys or the Cyclones after watching that game last week? Yeah, I felt like I learned quite a bit about both of those teams, in all honesty. Um, you know, I think we talked a lot about Oklahoma State's defense going into that game, and that this might be the first really significant offensive test they'll face, and, and they completely passed it. I mean, uh, I, 
I just felt like they did a really, really good job of taking Iowa State out of what it wanted to do. And, and Iowa State's offense, it's not an easy offense to prepare for because it's such a throwback with the three tight ends and all the motion they throw in and their ability to run the football. So I felt like Oklahoma State showed me that they're a defense that, you know, they're going to be a long-haul defense in this conference the rest of the year. They're the best-scoring defense in the conference uh, they're one of the best uh, two statistical defenses in the conference in terms of yards allowed. So they're not going to give you a whole lot. Now, for Iowa State, you know, I just learned that you know this program continues to evolve under Matt Campbell, and it evolves in ways that shows you that he's not so concerned about implementing his system or things being his way. He's flexible enough to be able to put players in the right places. Uh, in this day and age, who runs an offense with three tight ends most of the time? Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. does that anymore. But they do it, and they do it well, and they do a lot of different things out of it. So uh, I think it just shows his creativity and his ability to get players in the right spots, put them in the right position where they can be successful. And that helps you from a recruiting standpoint, and it helps you stay in the conference race, which even though they lost, to Oklahoma State on Saturday. They're not out of the race to get to the Big 12 championship yet. No, not by any means. Another pivotal one this week for Oklahoma State with Texas coming to town. Longhorns, very slow start against Baylor. They cruise into a double-digit victory, though. Since the Ingram fumble against TCU in a game that they very well easily could have won that one. Of course, the craziness of the Oklahoma. They're 3-2, and two, but... Where do you see the Longhorns right now, and how big of a shot do you give them to go into Stillwater and walk away with a victory? Well, you know, they're they're the best-scoring offense in the conference right now. They're scoring 45 points a game, but they're also one of the worst-scoring defenses in the conference, 32.2 points a game. So they're really they're really relying on Sam Ellinger to get it done. And fortunately for them, you know, he's done his job throughout the year, whether it's running the football or, or passing the football. He leads the conference in total offense. Um, you know, he, he's been everything for them. Uh, the real problem has been their consistency on defense from week to week. I felt they played better against Baylor. I mean, giving up only 16 points in that contest was uh, probably their best defensive game of the year, and it's coming at the right time. But you go into Oklahoma State, and you're playing a team that has Spencer Sanders back, who yeah. got better as that game went on. You've got uh, Cheba Hubbard. You've got uh, Tylen Wallace. You've got an exceptional defense. And you've got an Oklahoma State team that has Texas's number. They've won four of the last five. They've won seven of the last ten. Even though Texas owns the overall series, like 25-9, to Oklahoma State has had their number the last decade. And you go into Stillwater, even though it won't be a full house because of COVID and everything else, uh, those fans that were there last weekend showed up. Mm -hmm. They were really loud. And this Oklahoma State team, to me, has a lot of momentum right now. And I just don't – I think in a game where you're relying on one really great player to help you move everything down the field for you, going up against a defense that has shown, you know, throughout the year to this point that they can handle those kinds of players, I think I'm going to take the defense. Uh, interesting. I'm anxious to get your take on this, Matt Postens, because um, I've got a I've got a, a strong opinion on this game, and the professional betters are on the other side of this game. Look, I saw Texas Tech in West Virginia last week. I saw Baylor in West Virginia earlier this year. I don't see a very good football team in West Virginia. I'm kind of a middle of the road type of Mountaineers team, and here comes K State on the other hand. I think they're a fake unbeaten in conference, but nonetheless, they've beaten the four opponents that have been in front of them. Yet all the pros, betters, are lining up on West Virginia. What am I missing 
on this West Virginia K-State game that West Virginia is actually favored by four points? Well, I think, first of all, you look at the way Letty Brown has played the last few weeks. Uh, he's turned into one of the best rushers in the conference, and they've really, you know, the last couple of years, West Virginia has very much been a, a running back by committee team. They've really focused on getting Letty Brown the ball, and that really has benefited them a great deal. Second, they're a much better defensive team than I think a lot of folks are giving them credit for. They're they're number one in total defense in the conference, giving up just 261.8 yards a game. They're second in scoring defense, well behind Oklahoma State, but they're number two. So they have a they probably have the best defense they've had in half dozen years mm. in Morgantown, and that kind of stuff travels and it it plays well against teams like Kansas State. Uh, that are in a position where they can, uh, you know, potentially go to the Big 12 championship game. I think the thing that's interesting about Kansas State is that, you know, you lose Skylar Thompson, you still play pretty well. You know, granted it was Kansas, but they're doing so much on special teams and defense right now. They're creating so many more opportunities for their offense because of the way they're playing defense, the turnovers they're creating. The, the scores that they're creating on special teams, the way they've been able to run the offense through Deuce Vaughn, that they're probably getting, you know, two, maybe three possessions a game they shouldn't normally get. And that's helping them, you know, stay ahead of the pack in the conference. I think this game, I think West Virginia absolutely has the potential to upset them, even though the line has West Virginia mm-hmm. up on Kansas State. I would consider it to be an upset just because I don't think people look at West Virginia nationally the way they look at Kansas State right, right now. But it's going to be about that West Virginia defense, and it's going to be about Letty Brown. It's not going to be about the passing game, where if you can force West Virginia to have to throw the ball 30 or 40 times, that's to your advantage because they lead FBS in dropped passes. Kansas-Iowa State the weekend, 28.5 is the number. We talked about the Cyclones, Kansas. It's year number two of Les Miles, though. He hasn't been around a whole lot because of COVID. Jeff Long, I understood the theory behind it. You bring in a guy, at least build the program up to a level where you're respectable again, and then you go out and you find that next coach to, to build it to the next level. It's not trending that direction. How long of a leash for Les Miles? And... How quickly could you just say you see Les Miles with all the money he's made in his career just walking away from this situation that looks impossible? Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, this is what his second year there, and yeah, yeah they're they're not going anywhere. Um, they've made a commitment to high school recruiting. They've made a commitment to recruiting and developing players and trying to keep them on campus for two, three, four years, as opposed to you know bringing in junior college recruits or trying to bring in transfers. And that sort of thing. Those are something that some of the other coaches before Les Miles did. Um, I still think that Miles, if given the time, can turn them into a program that could at least win six games and go to a bowl game on a you know semi-regular basis. But for a coach who was so immensely successful at Oklahoma State, who won a national championship at LSU, I don't know how satisfying that's going to be for him. So right now, I would say Les Miles would walk away from the job before he's actually let go. But ask me that question in another year, you know, if they're still losing to teams like Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. in the season opener and still haven't won a Big 12 game. Boy, Oklahoma State, I'm looking at their schedule. Iowa State last week, then Texas, K-State next week, then a bye before Bedlam. Uh, if they get through this undaunted, obviously they are absolutely legit. I don't think that they will. But I am anxious to get your take on Oklahoma, who had a really nice win over uh, TCU this past weekend. Um 
It looks as though maybe they're finding something there. Rattler, st- Rattler was good in that football game. Is Oklahoma maybe that team that, uh, that you know, not, not everybody was writing off, but certainly didn't seem that was going to be their year. Might they be the team that comes from way down in the standings to find their way in, uh, in into this championship game? They looked good last week. Well, if any team's talented enough to do it, it's um, it's Oklahoma. And if any coach is creative enough to figure it out, it's Lincoln Riley. You know, somebody uh, did a graphic the other day about yards per play on offense um, over the last, I think, three or four years. And you could see Oklahoma tracking up at the very top of the graph. And there was a significant gap between Oklahoma and everybody else. Uh, I think he spent the bye week really resetting Spencer Rattler mentally and physically retooling their game plan to put Rattler in more advantageous positions on offense. And I think that really, uh, really showed against TCU. I think they did some uh, nice things on defense that uh, could help them as they move on. And that's their bigger problem, obviously, for Oklahoma is their defense. They, they haven't been, they've been pretty average uh, to below average on that side of the football. So Alex Grinch still has some work to do, but I saw some nice things against TCU things that you know, I think ultimately could you know, put them in a position where uh, they could be that team that kind of sneaks into the Big 12 championship game. And remember, you know, even though their defense hasn't looked great, I mean, it's been one of it's the worst. It's probably the worst pass defense outside of Kansas in the conference right now. Statistically speaking, they're just number three in, in total defense and yards allowed at 344 yards a game. So the, the adjustments they need to make, are, it's not like an overhaul. It's like making a tweak here, making a tweak there, putting guys in the right position a little bit more often. And they very well could be a team that goes off on a run in the last five, six games of the year, and depending on what happens in front of them. And they don't have a lot of control over that because they lost to Kansas State and Iowa State early in the year. Uh, the only, only lever they really have to push is the Bedlam game. So if they lose Bedlam, they're done. Last thing for you, Matt Post is joining us, Heartland College Sports. You also do some work on the Dallas Cowboys Oh boy, how ugly Ugh. is it down there in Texas? And that's Sunday night football, Eagles-Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. That thing feels like a clubbing coming here. How ugly is it, though, when you're talking about the Cowboys? Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty ugly down here. Jerry got very uh, curt with a, a radio show host. He does, he does like two or three interviews a week on the, the flagship station down here. He got very curt with the, the morning guys on Tuesday. Um, and those are guys that have a good relationship with Jerry. They ask him good questions, but they have a good relationship with him, too, and Jerry just kind of got really curt uh, about the whole thing. I mean, everybody down here is pretty frustrated. I mean, when you consider they had Jason Garrett here for a decade, and Garrett, in the minds of many, underachieved because they didn't get past the divisional round of the playoffs. They only won two or three divisional titles. Uh, they, They feel like they wasted Tony Romo as a quarterback. Uh, and his talent, and now you bring in a guy like Mike McCarthy, who's supposed to fix all this, and they're two and five. And you know, you got to take into account the injuries. Obviously, they've had more than their O line. Uh, more, yeah, the O line is just a complete Swiss cheese right now. But yeah, they they just released a couple guys yesterday. They traded Everson Griffin. Uh, they may make one more deal before the deadline next week. But I mean, this feels like a team that kind of knows it's not heading anywhere this year. Uh, I don't want to use the word take. But if they lose to the Eagles on uh, Sunday night and then lose to the Steelers the following Sunday, which they will, they'll be 2-7 and seven going into mm-hmm. their bye week, and that's pretty much the ball game for them. And then the real question locally starts becoming chatter about whether or not the Cowboys actually keep Mike McCarthy. I think they will beyond this season, but 
you know, for a guy with his pedigree to come in and, and put together a season like this, the way it's tracking and Jerry Jones being 78 and wanting to host another Lombardi trophy before it's all said and done, he might have to think about it. And I kind of wrote about that this past Sunday before the Washington game, which they lost and looked terrible in. Um, it's something that he may have to start thinking about as the season goes on. He's, we, he's saying he's not thinking about it right now. Yeah, it's good to something to, to, to bear watching, no doubt about it. Speaking of watching, we'll all be watching as the country will. Thanksgiving Day, Washington, Dallas in the late window. Mm-hmm. Yuck. Uh, Matt Post, it's Heartland College Sports and the uh, uh, the Cowboys Maven site. Uh, appreciate what you do for us, Matt Postens. Thank you for coming on, as always. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You have a good weekend. Uh, Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports. We'll take our final time out. Do you have an opinion on this Thursday night game or any of the two college games tonight? Nothing heavy, but there's always a play. Especially, I didn't have anything to gamble on last night. Oh, you know, a lot of guys had the shakes last night. Yeah, it and was. Gals. It's been a long time since July. I think of what it was. July 22nd was We were the sitting day. there in April and May and I, I June. Th- Trent, I thought about this. How the hell did you and I get through March through July 21st? A wing and a prayer. Ugh. We made it. Yes, we did. Uh, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.com. Final couple of minutes of a Thursday. Boy, this week has flown. Yeah. As for me, anyways, even though there was nothing on last night. Uh, tomorrow, This time tomorrow, we will have just finished up giving four of our listeners an opportunity to win Claxon's Barbecue. That's tomorrow. About 11.45, Claxon's 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. And so, we'll be giving our picks both coming off of four and one weeks. Yeah, both of us doing very well, at least last week anyway. Yeah, I'm uh, at 62% on the year. You have built yourself back up to Mount 500, and now you'll go past it this week, right? <laughs> well, I sure hope so, but if, if Lee Sterling is right, I'm going to have a bad week because he's got two of the games I like and went the wrong, the, not the, the wrong way, went the other way. Hopefully the wrong way. You're not getting off this Kansas State game, are I, you? Trent, I'm not. I'm I, not. We I, have given you a mountain of evidence yes. all week long. That you should not be on the side of the Wildcats, and you won't listen. I've seen West Virginia with my own two eyes. I'm not buying. I, you said yesterday the pro football focus when it came out, mm-hmm. and Daggy, West Virginia's quarterback, is the second-ranked quarterback yeah. in the Big 12. Come on. Anyways, so uh, that, the, save that for tomorrow. Um, Mitch Holtis will be here. They play the Jets, though. Gosh. Yeah. I still want to talk to him anyways. Of course. Uh, so what are you going to do tonight? Do I'm going to play, play Carolina. Doesn't it seem too easy? What's the number? It's small, right? It's inside of a field goal. It's, yeah, two and a half? I, I see two at DraftKings and two and a half in most other places. At that number? Atlanta sucks. Uh, Trent, the prime timers suck this week. I mean, this one's starting tonight, then Eagles hosting the Cowboys on Sunday night. Although, you know what? It's Eagles-Cowboys. Yeah, it'll rate. Yeah, it will. It will rate, even though the records are terrible. And then Sunday night, at least for the time, or Monday night, rather, at least for the time being, Tampa is scheduled to host, or to rather, to travel and take on the Giants, and the Giants' O-line has been shut down due to COVID, so we'll see. What, uh, What do you think of the Ben DiNucci era? Not very often there's a quarterback that comes into an NFL <laughs> yeah. game, and I have to say, who? Where the hell did he play college football? Yeah, I know it, right? And it was James Madison, and then it kind of clicked. 
oh, I think I remember I, that I guy. I don't. Championship game against North Dakota State. That's why it clicked with me. But it, it's pretty rare yeah, that that one at quarterback mm-hmm. it crops up and you have Did it no ever? Clue. I wonder if it was like that way for now because Flacco was such a high pick. He was, yeah, in the draft. So and he started his career pit yeah, before and, transferring to Delaware, and in his final year made it over to um, the Uni Dome and beat undefeated you and I, yeah. Eric Sanders and company. That was uh, yeah. That was what year would have that been? I was here. Six? Yeah, I think so. 2006, whatever, somewhere around there. All right, Murph and Andy coming up at uh, 2 o'clock. The Fanatics at 4. It's a busy day of local programming still to come because at 6 o'clock, Cyclone Fanatics radio show is on the air. At 7 o'clock, Hawkeye Nation's radio program is on the We got air. you covered here. We do have you covered. Uh, so does the morning rush tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon weekdays 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. This ain't your daddy's sports station. Well, well, it probably is, but you get the point. 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM. This is Des Moines Sports Station. KXNO. NCMIC, leading the way with a positive impact on our community, customers, and company every single day. Hi, I'm Mike McCoy, CEO at NCMIC. Our employees love it here. We love the culture. We work hard and have fun. We know life happens, and we really do have work-life balance. We think it's a step above the rest with endless possibilities. There's more for you here. Can you see yourself at NCMIC? We sure can. Every one of us is empowered to do the right thing. We have the expertise and the heart to stand up for those we serve. We come through for them. That's because we take care of our own, our customers, and our employees. Apply now at ncmicgroup.com. Hi, I'm Sheena. As I walk through NCMIC, I see happy, smiling faces. We know that employees who enjoy themselves and feel they're making a difference are more productive. We take time to have fun at work and celebrate each other and our accomplishments. Hi, this is Ahmed, and working at NCMIC for over 10 years has been great for me and my family. So come join us, learn more, and apply now at ncmicgroup.com.